0: you're listening to the treasuring christ church podcast at tcc we believe that church isn't just like a family but it is a family we hope you're encouraged by listening to god's word today but we would love to see you on sundays at ten thirty. for more information check us out online at tccannarbor.com all
1: right so i get the privilege of talking about all these things creation angels satan and demons um, and i got this week i was like man it looks like sounds like we're doing something out of dan brown novel or something like that so um but yeah so it's it, it's a lot it seems um but i guess this is kind of like the last week of the doctrine of god and, uh, and all that he's done right and so it really points back to his glory and i really think that through the process of this we'll have a better understanding of not only the glory of god and what he's done on the cross but ultimately um kind of the forces that kind of go in opposition of him right um so first we'll touch on creation then go through angels demons and satan um the question i pose to everyone is where did the universe first come from and what is his purpose I'm from god this? Good. Good answer. <laughs> Purpose for God's glory. Purpose is for God's glory. Think of it as good. i thinking of it. Thinking of it as good. Right. Um. <clears throat> exactly. So, Genesis one one states it pretty clearly. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Colossians one sixteen it says for. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through and for him. So kind of from those two verses alone, we get the idea that God existed before creation. Right? And as creator, he's distinct from his creation, right? Uh, He doesn't need creation in any particular way. And why is that? Why do we think that's important? Or why is that a good thing to know and understand? Is if God needed
2: creation, and He was lacking in something? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Here are the thoughts. I do my teaching very Socratically, so just just as a heads up. I think it affects how we re- interact with Him or treat Him. You know, like pantheism, right? They think that God is in these things. You yeah, mm-hmm. so know, how they treat God totally different that he wants to
0: be him to not be distinct from creation somehow like if he's not distinct from creation then
1: he's not creator and therefore he's not authoritative you know uh, and anything uh. exactly right so like like Michael said if he's not distinct from us then there is no sense of authority of hierarchy which kind of is part of the plan right, of, of showing us his glory. Um, yeah, when we say distinct, a lot of the times the connotation can come off as very separated, right? And yet we see throughout scripture that even though he is distinct from his creation, he is yet very involved with his creation. And as such, he, creation is dependent on him, right? And so there's a he, he is intimately involved in our lives and struggles, and he also sustains creation in all of the world, right? And he is near <coughs> to us. Can someone read Psalms 46, verse 1 for me? How does our refuge and strength, very impressive. I think that shows that he's very near to us and near to his creation. I think the two dichotomies are very important because I think it makes Christianity very distinct in the way that it talks about deity, right? In the sense that even though God is distinct from his creation, he's very involved and he's very near to his creation at the same time. It's very personable. Moving on, God created the universe out of nothing, right? And so we see in Genesis that he spoke existence from nothing. And he could have spoke man and from nothing as well, and yet he molded and formed man and breathed life into mankind. So what's the difference between the way that he created the rest of the world and the way that he created humanity? Like, why is that, why is there that distinction? of that distinction, there is some type of God had in His creation and His plan had a uniqueness and a distinct kind of intimacy with His creation, with as far as mankind. Right? We see in Genesis one twenty seven that humans are the only ones that are made in quote God's image, and as a result, I love, I really like what Wayne Grudem says: uh, as God's image, man is the pinnacle of creation. Like this. We are the ultimate of his creation. That is the, the amount of love and grace that he poured into us because it was so very different. And that is just from his love for humanity and humankind. You can see the Bible is clear. God created the earth and all that is in it and on it from nothing. He created man from the dust of the world he created. Before creation, nothing existed but God. Therefore, nothing but God is eternal. Nothing but God can ultimately rule over that which he made, and so nothing but God is worthy of our worship. Because we are special products of God's creation, this fact should create create great humility in us. And yet at the same time, with that humility, this should give us great dignity. That's a quote from Gruden's book, that kind of Christian beliefs, right? I think that's it's pretty profound, right? And yet because of his the distinctness of who God is and how great he is, he is worthy of our worship. And because of he the fact that he's worthy, we should be humble before him. And yet God doesn't just leave it there. He brings great pride and dignity into the fact that he created humanity in his image. And I think there's that is something to really emulate and to really kind of embrace because that is contrary to everything we kind of think of when we think about creation, right? And God was made, <coughs> creation was made to give God glory, and that's from Psalm 19 verse 1 and Revelation four eleven kind of alludes to the fact that God's role as creator also makes him worthy of our glory and in that sense not our personal glory but our glorification of him and so beyond that right we see that God existed before creation so he's eternal God created the universe out of nothing so he's all powerful God created the universe and all of creation. Give Him glory, and ultimately, God's creation is good. He has declared it as so. And then Acts 17:25 says, "God sustains creation." Can someone read that for me? What? did you Acts 17:25 nor is he served by human beings as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. So with that, right, we see that God sustains all that he has created. And that kind of, that brings me humbly to my knees sometimes, being like, the, so only reason that I am in existence today is because God sustains us. By the breadth of his life, right? And not only for that purpose, but for the purpose of us to glorify him. Right? And I, I think that it ultimately comes down to the point of why creation was made to start with. Mm-hmm. His, his purpose of revealing his glory to us so that he may be glorified. Packer puts it in a really good way, and knowing that God created the world around us and ourselves as part of it is basic to true religion. God is God is to be praised as creator by reason of the marvelous order, variety, and beauty of his works. And Grudem kind of re it as saying that he created the universe to show his greatness, to demonstrate his excellence, and to delight in his work. We're giving glory to God by imitating the delight he takes in his creation when we delight in his creation. So all that to say, right, when we go out to, you know, on retreat, or we go out to the top of the mountain and we sit there and reflect like that's great and that's nothing wrong with that and it really is an act of worship and similar to how uh, giving glory to God and by imitating his delight in his own creation really reflects our imagery of who how we are made of his image right how we are able to reflect his actions in certain aspects And I want to summarize like this whole thing with saying realizing our moment by moment dependence on God the Creator for our every existence makes it appropriate to live lives of devotion, commitment, gratitude, and loyalty toward Him. And it's scandalous not to. Godliness starts here, with God the sovereign creator as the first focus of our thoughts. And that comes from from Packer and his concise theology. And I think if we have an understanding Of that, that really enables all of our worship of who God is. Because everything starts from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning there was God, and then he created the heavens and earth. And throughout all scripture, knowing that he sustains us kind of really brings us to saying, glory and honor and grace be to God because you give me life and sustain us. So I guess some questions, right? In what ways do God's acts of creation give us great humility?
2: Sometimes just by seeing the power of something. You know, a storm or the waves or floods flood, some of that, just the power of what God has created. Like, wow, God, man was strong. I have a hard time making grilled cheeses
3: at <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the record we've shown Zach said he has a hard time making grilled cheeses <clears throat> Yeah. <So.
3: laughs> and yet you want to be someone's physician well you know <laughs> I don't have to make anything there's no creative <laughs> 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 so true.
0: feel small, but not in the sense of insignificant, but in the sense of, wow, like God is, even my individual self is hardwired and complex in its own right. And yet, I'm a part of this massive world that God spoke into existence. I think in
3: the same way as we talked about the character of God, even, I don't really even have a time vortex. So I don't know how many people <laughs> was that last week or two weeks ago. I, I don't lost. even know. a Black hole. But a while ago, two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago <laughs> There is uh, a sense of, like, God is self-sufficient. He didn't need to make creation, but he delighted in and wanted to make creation. So he did all of this, like, sheerly for his good pleasure. Not because he needed anything from us or because it was, like, something to serve and fulfill him, but because he delighted in doing this, like, out of active love and just glory. He just... Did all of that and that's really humbling that he delighted in, in creating it all.
1: Yeah. So how does on the flip side, so we talked about humility before God in his creation. How does his creation give us great dignity? <clears> that he gives us dominion over it when we see how great and vast it is that he still made us to be able to have to be given forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, out of all the things he made us the pinnacle of his creation. He yep. Made us in his image of all Yeah, when I read through that section in the books, I was like, man, like it's like the both humility and dignity at the same time. Like I don't know how I feel about the conflicting feelings, right? Because Humility because he chose humankind to be very distinct from the rest of his creation, yet great dignity because he chose to do that. Right? It was an act of grace and love to be able to do that, and so it's just like wow, like, it's pretty amazing. So, um, cool looking at the time, I'm gonna fast forward here a little bit. We got a couple other things that we got to cover, and some of these are a little bit. I mean, they're all supernatural in one, one form or the other. But. <clears throat> so what are our views on angels to start with? Before we even get into any of this doctrine or theology, the only thing I knew about angels was touched by an angel, and that was the terrible, <laughs> terrible thing growing up, right? So our chicken soup for, for the soul or something like that. So um, what do we know about angels of anything?
3: <laughs> you mean baddest by goodest? Right yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like the baddest it was as it like, a Yeah it okay. looks like, yeah. <laughs> like the,
0: the strong one who comes in like, Comes <laughs> up shock For God you
3: know? <laughs> <laughs> None of those are proper grammar Baddest yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of of. Speaking of baddest I mean pretty much everyone who interacted with them That was scared like, they
3: yeah. fearful beings. The I was thinking of that verse where it says that we uh, entertain angels without knowing. I don't know what that <coughs> exactly means. I'm kind of getting into that. But I like that it says say angel un, un, un- unawares. Yeah, yeah I un- aware. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's unawares. Like, <laughs> speaking of that, it's unawares. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so so weird. It's just It's <laughs> <laughs> normal grammar from the South. Is that
1: what that is? <laughs> so the the thing that I thought was interesting and I never knew before was the fact that angels, demons and Satan not all, the grand scheme of all creation is still creation right and so angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgments and high intelligence but without physical bodies and yet they're still God's creation And so when it comes to you know I guess the hierarchy of how the world works in, in, in the realm of who God is, like angels are still inferior to the greatness of who God is, right? Um, other things, you know, uh, Psalm 103 alludes to the fact they're they're heavenly hosts, um, where, where in heaven they're constantly worshiping God. The thing that we kind of allude to with all of these Things on Earth that we kind of try to figure out who angels are, and we talk about guardian angels and all of these things. Right? Uh, they are existent to guard believers, and we'll see. Do you see that in Psalms? They observe what goes on in the church, uh, and at times they are. There is a special mystery of ministry at the time of a believer's death, and that is alluded to by Luke sixteen twenty-two. And so, in essence, everything we kind of. Had an idea of angels before, as far as guardian angels and them pro- providing comfort to his people, like that is true, um, but we just don't necessarily see it. And so, uh, going back to that point where you're like, you are entertaining them without knowing it. Like, angels are around, um, which is a crazy concept sometimes to kind of think about. But they are they do the Lord's bidding, and so they'll they are. They surround the believer to provide, you know, I guess protection, ministry, comfort, hope. Anything that the Lord is able to provide through them, he he utilizes angels in that sense. So Packer says, suffice it to pinpoint the relevance of angels by saying that if at any time we stand in need of their ministry, we shall receive it. And that as the world watches Christians in hope of seeing them tumble, so do good angels watch Christians in hope of seeing grace triumph in their lives. And I thought that was pretty powerful in saying that, you know, not only do we have Christ, but we also have heavenly beings, in a sense, heavenly creation, also rooting for grace to triumph in our lives, uh, which is a huge encouragement, in, in my opinion. And then Grudem goes on to say, angels have great power. Even so, God demonstrates a greater love for humans than for his angels. And this is kind of evidence in the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, though they were cast out of Eden, they were not cast into hell. Instead of putting them in chains, God made clothes for them, covering their shame. And we kind of see the contrast in that because when we talk about demons, we kind of really talk about fallen angels that have sinned against God. And God banishes them to the lake of fire so there's kind of this again kind of humility in knowing that despite the power and intelligence of angels and doing the bidding of the Lord God still loves his like the pinnacle of his creation more right and I think that's that's a powerful thing to, to understand um, so are angels like us. <coughs> They're created, yeah. And then how are they different from us? They don't have a body. They don't have a body. Mm-hmm. That's true. Without physicality.
3: They can't experience salvation.
1: Yeah, that's correct. They they do not necessarily experience the grace that comes from the cross, right? They either worship or they don't. There's kind of no in between. And with that, they don't experience the grace of God because God loves us more, uh, which is in my head. And then just, just to summarize, what's the primary role of angels in the world today? I think they, in essence, you can summarize it to, you know, they they are here to guard the hearts of believers or at least assist in that process uh, to provide protection, um, to observe and to minister uh, when they are in need. I think there's a whole mystery surrounding like everything that kind of happens with it and what exactly the Lord does himself versus what he, you know, calls his angels to do. Um, but essentially you can allude to angels being kind of the helpers of doing his work on this world. Uh, Which is contrary to what the demons are. Uh, So demons do exist, if you didn't know already. Um, Demons are in Mm. essence, uh, another translation of them are devils. They are fallen angels and cast out of heaven to await final judgment. And so this kind of all happens before kind of in the in-between in of God's existence, right, eternal existence, and then the creation of the world. We kind of see this creation of an antagonist, essentially, with, with Satan. we'll get to Satan in a little bit, but Satan is essentially is the leader of all the fallen angels. So he's, he's the head guy amongst all of the demons. And the thing about demons is they're permanently, like their mindset is permanently opposed to God, um, opposed to goodness, opposed to the kingdom of Christ and opposed to human welfare. Um, They have power and freedom on earth though it is limited by one, the scope of what they're able to do but also limited by the power of God because they're still his created kind of beings to start with, right? And Jude 6 alludes to the fact that they were kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness. So in this essence, you know, demons exist and they have a lot of power and there's a lot of influence that comes from demons, but ultimately God is creator and he reigns over all of creation, which is inclusive of angels and demons, right? And so there's there's much hope in that fact. Um, has anyone experienced demonic activity or Can anyone describe what, you know, the Bible says about demonic activity or anything like that?
3: Um, Basically, we also kind of look at disease and we kind of look at the word itself, um, dis-ease. In many cases, it is that separation from God, the sin, that that the person, she or herself, have committed the sin, but that it is kind of open the door where Satan loves to drop on, yeah, um, and and can enter in, and um, so I think that having watched those healed of, um, it's basically removing those unloving spirits and ones that we've listed and such that are causing that separation, yeah, um, because. I think Alluded to this you know, messages, but where our thoughts only come from ourselves, God mm-hmm. or Satan, and um, we can enter into agreement with Satan, or you know, rebuke uh, that.
1: Yeah. In power, excuse me. Yeah, absolutely right. When I think of demonic activity, I usually think of like, you yep. know, demon possession, and I think that. I mean, that comes from a lot of, some of what the Bible says, and then obviously today's world of what demonic activity kind of alludes to. And I think there's essence of that having been true, uh, and maybe even some of it today. But I think it goes back to what you said, was um, a lot of demonic activity today is lessened Mm -hmm. in the sense of how intense it is, but really goes to this idea of like deception. Uh, and discouragement in many forms so that's kind of the list that i kind of put out there of temptation doubt they're there to extend lies uh further guilt provide greater fear um sickness envy pride slander these are all things that are exploited by demons uh to oppose human welfare and goodness right um thing that i thought was interesting was during Christ's ministry and this came from uh Gruden's book we see an unprecedented amount of demonic activity that was not seen in the Old Testament prior to his coming and that as greatly seen even after his ministry was done I think that is uh, Satan and the demons kind of counter to the arrival of Christ uh, is what kind of it was alluding to and so um which I mean that never even kind of connected those dots but it makes sense right in that the sense of christ came to counter everything that satan wanted to accomplish and so kind of hit the last push when christ arrived was to try to you know get jesus to sin and we see that in the temptation uh, of of being in the wilderness but even then to kind of thwart christ's plans while he was here on earth (laughs)
0: a lot of time it's not him addressing them first but it's the demon crying out in his presence that he's the son of God like there's this uh, this sense of his, that his presence confronts the very existence you know of demons the and they cry out and seek to you know uh, exert their power and authority over him and he in turns you know uh, demonstrates his authority over them uh, and so I think that that thought about their presence being particularly heightened during his ministry is really, really striking to see that yeah. When you look at the number of times the demons are the initiators uh, with Jesus as opposed to Jesus
1: the being the one that initiates them. Yeah. They knew his deity, and they wanted to yeah fit, <laughs> avoid it as much as they could, or at least to thwart those plans. <clears throat> and so throughout all of this, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of Mark references there for you, uh, and I'm sure Michael will cover those in the post-advent season when we get back to Mark, but uh, demons are revealed as having knowledge and strength. Uh, they inflict and or exploit physical and mental maladies. I recognize and fear Christ to whose authority they are subject, and obviously some subtler attributes there. So my question is, how do we overcome, you know, the tension that arises with the demons that exist in the world today? That again, so how do we overcome the supernatural opponents or you know, demonic activity, quote unquote, um, that is present in the world today? And that again, like it goes back to, I think, more subtle actions such as deception, discouragement, temptations, and things like that. First John, yesterday, the idea of uh,
0: testing the spirits, discerning. Truth, you know, so part of the ways we counter the work of Satan is knowing, knowing God's word, you know? so we know what's true, what's false. We discern that. Maybe it confronts us in unexpected ways. Like, <coughs> I think even earlier we we're talking about the work of demons. Just like the work of angels, sometimes is kind of unseen and unknown to us. I think that's true of demonic activity as well. And I don't mean I don't want to go around and say this world of this, this, you know, uh, movement, you know, in society, or culture is necessarily demonic, yet at the same time, we see some things that are literally of the devil, you know, um, that are reflected in his character or revealed in God's word, and so when we know God's word, we have the the wisdom and the ability uh, to to see that, to know the truth, to not be deceived, and allow others to be deceived, so.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think if we have the gospel in mind, I think the gospel is the greatest combatant to demonic activity. In kind of the examples we
2: see in Scripture of, you know, uh, Jesus combating demonic activity through Scripture, quoting yes. Scripture, and also saying, uh, in regards to one specific, you know, these kind of not cast out by fasting, but by fasting and prayer. So by being knowledgeable of Scripture and, and hiding that in our hearts, but also the regular practice of fasting and prayer been um, overcoming whatever attacks so yeah
1: absolutely right when Jesus had casted out those demons he also said that it required an immense amount of prayer um, so Wayne Grudem quotes it like this those who believe in Jesus who realize that through death Jesus nullified the power of quote the one who has the power of death that is the devil at the cross God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them Therefore, if Satan or his demons mount an attack against us, we should take confidence in Christ's victory. And then Packer sums it up slightly differently, but I think this helps, helps me a lot. Is Though demons can give trouble of many kinds to regenerate persons in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, they cannot finally thwart God's purpose of saving his elect any more than they can finally avoid their own eternal torment. As the devil is God's devil, so the demons are God's demons, defeated enemies whose limited power is prolonged only for the advancement of God's glory as the people contend with him. And it really points to this idea that God in his sovereign control still utilizes demons for his glory and for his purposes, right? And like they exist only to point to the glory of who God is. And that ultimately Christ has already had victory over death, which is, you know, the devil in that sense. And he will come again to reign and, and finally put that death to end. So we kind of alluded earlier to the fact that Satan is the leader of demons. He's also known by a very multitude of number of names, right? Uh, Satan means adversary, but he's also called the devil, a certain Beelzebub, the evil one, uh uh, the king of this world i believe <clears throat> and john 8:44 uh if someone read that for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: john 8:44 you are your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the
1: truth, because
2: there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is
1: a liar and the father of lies. Yeah, so John eight forty four really paints the true picture of who Satan really is, right? it kind of basically was saying that he was a murderer from the beginning, he is the father of all lies. Uh, the original liar and the sponsor of subsequent falsehood and deceit in this world, right? and that existed before the Eden. Um, And Packer lists out a lot of other characteristics of who Satan is, so unimaginable meanness malice, fury, and cruelty directed against God, his truth against those who God has extended his saving love Uh, so again he is just the leader of all the demons Um, and so everything that we talked about with regards to who demons are is almost the same with regards to Satan, only he probably orchestrates a lot more of it in the beginning but the thing to note and kind of alluded to to this is you know evil despite the fact that angels or sorry demons and Satan were kind of the origins of evil per se uh, evil's existence today is not just purely from them but from uh, a result of our own personal individual actions right of of those who do not know who, who God is So they are not solely responsible for all the evil that exists today that is perpetrated further by uh, just humanity and the fallenness of who humankind is. I think this was really the hope at the end here is acknowledging Satan's reality, taking his opposition seriously, and noting his strategy and reckoning on always being at war with him this is not a lapse into a dualistic concept of two gods, one good and one evil, finding it out. But rather, Satan, I keep writing Stan for some reason, is a creature, uh, superhuman, but not divine. He has much knowledge and power, but he is neither omniscient nor omnipotent. He can move around in ways that humans cannot, but he is not omnipresent. And he's already defeated, uh, having no power, more power than God allows him and being destined for the lake of fire uh, in reference to Revelation 20.10 I think really it boils down to John, 1 John 4.4 4, where it says the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world so if we have Christ we have already defeated the schemes of the prince of the world essentially right? um, doesn't mean the struggles are any easier, and doesn't mean we won't face any of these deceptions or lies or temptations. But we can have confidence in the fact that Christ has already overcome the world. In order for us to be able to persist and, and um, kind of keep fighting. But I really liked what you know Packer said here was the fact that Satan is not all knowing. He's not omnipotent, and he's not omnipresent. Like he is limited in his powers, and so he is not—he is unable to wreak havoc in the way that God, in His you know omnipotence and omnipresence and all of those omni words—is able to do for His glory, right? And that alone itself gives me hope, you know, in the gospel to be able to say like, "My God is good," and He utilizes all things for His glory, right? So my last question to everyone before we wrap up here is how do these things remove some fears we may have about Satan?
2: I know Hollywood is always a great measure of truth and um, believability. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in movies, um, Satan or demons are Portrayed as incredibly powerful, and um, you know, that it is that dual struggle of good versus evil and stuff. When really, like scripture says, you know, uh, that God is omnipotent, Satan is not, and um, that we don't need a magic talisman, a uh, special, especially um, trained priest or something, you know, to defeat uh, Satan. But yeah, Hollywood portrays him as. Equal in power
1: to God. Mm -hmm. I think what was helpful for me in easing my fear of who Satan was was the fact that he's not omnipresent, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's that's a powerful thing to be like, you know, he's not able to scheme all over the world all at one time. Mm -hmm. Like he is limited in that fact, and like that is that's that's hopeful, but also the fact that you know he's already defeated. Like I think that. That's helpful for me. But that pretty much summarizes everything. We kind of zoomed past the the last set of things here. But um, hopefully we walked away with better understanding who God's creation is. And even some of the fall some of what creation has done. Um, But I think the hope now for me is like, despite the fact... One, we are the Pentecost's creation, so that there's beauty and glory and honor to be had in that. And two, demons and Satan are subject to being his creation as well. And so God has dominion over them and he utilizes them for his purposes to show his glory to the world. And that is, that is an amazing thing. Um, so, I have hope in the fact that the gospel overcome all the works of the devil and he's already defeated so, so that's really all i got so let me pray and then if you have any other questions feel free to hang back so